What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Big One Podcast. We got a two-man crew today. We're a man down. Who's the other gentleman on the pod? Uh, yeah, this is new guy. I'm just a big old nerd who likes smoking weed, climbing walls, and uh, oh, have I told you about my uh, relationship problems yet? Um, I'm just kidding. This is B-Boy. Did yeah, I fool make- you, though? You did. I think the audience was a little disappointed when you leaned back into the B-Boy persona oh, there. So it's unfortunate, it. but we're going to have to power through this week. So as uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at PodcastBigOne. You can send us your email questions, PodcastBigOne at gmail.com. So this is your motorsports podcast. We're talking NASCAR, Formula One, Formula E, Indy. And this week, we're going to talk a lot of Le Mans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. Um, our sponsor this week, Ryobi Lawn Care Products. Uh, support us well. Um, really like the Ryobi line, all electric, all electric everything. You just feel like Iron Man switching out batteries here left and right. Um, I came back to seven weeks long of a lawn, which uh, you wouldn't think would be that bad. But, uh, and I should share this on the Twitters, um, is... Uh, quite the jungle out back in my backyard but no problem for iobi lawn care products just throw the battery in there charge it up do it again uh it's taking quite a few battery recharges actually um still not all the way through it but uh it is a it's a tough job ryobi's up to it also no problem for the neighbors they didn't seem to give a shit uh the lawn's getting along we're letting it flow we're good yep it's fan. It, so the front yard was weirdly less, not as quite as high as the the backyard, um, and the backyard's fenced. So I think it just because they couldn't see it, they didn't really care. But the front yard, I definitely would have complained <laughs> if uh, if uh, like I I had my like. It was funny because my neighbor to my left actually she did end up cutting my part because it's just like a little sliver, but then on the other side. My whole lawn, my whole front lawn was really high. And again, not not super high, but pretty high. And then there's like a tiny sliver, one mower's worth of lawn that the neighbor cut because it was technically on their side of the yard. And I just thought it was so funny that they went in and like cut that one piece, that one sliver to like passive aggressively be like, yeah, Cut hey buddy, lawn, you know, let's get this get, it, let's get, get this it. trimmed up a little bit here. What's the HOA yeah, situ- yeah. situation after you come back to a whole pile of letters None. and fines? Or are you all good? Z- zero, the way God intended. Love it. Fuck Love HOAs. to hear it. Love to hear it. So we've we've got some race recaps to get into this week. The split schedule first first race on the docket for the weekend was Gateway Trucks. Did you happen mm-hmm. to catch this one? I did. Yeah. Um. I. I I'm. I'll say I'm three for three this week. Uh, definitely got to watch all three races live. Didn't have to catch any recaps. Um, I forget there was some part of the truck race that like I ended up having to like uh, uh, I had to, had to rewind a little bit. I think I like fell asleep or I got up and like made food or something. But I did catch the whole thing. Uh, did you catch the whole thing? I did. Yeah, I caught all three as nice. well. So we're we're a double bill on the three for three this week. Woo. All right, well, let me take us through the stage stage winners. Stage one, Grant Enfinger uh, gets it done. Stage two, Stuart Friesen gets it done. And the race winner ended up being Grant Enfinger. Um, the one thing to call out for this week was that it was a really big points opportunity for everyone because Corey Heim, the points leader, was out. 
uh, with illness, and so uh, they had some other folks jumping in. Um, uh, nine win- Oh, nice. I like this call-out. Nine winners this season, eight winners in the last nine races. That's pretty cool. Um, some of the other notes that are written down here is uh, Haley Deegan gets taken out by Sanchez. Um, everyone on the radios was pitched off, pissed off at Sanchez. Yeah, she just got wiped out. Um, that was in Stage 2, I want to say. Or maybe it was early in Stage 3. I kind of forget. Um, Time Majeski dominates Stage 1, but a caution comes out with four to go. And Endfinger st- steals the stage on the restart. Yeah, it was. It looked re- really racy. Um, uh, Gateway definitely seemed to suit the trucks really, really well. Um, and then, yeah, there was a, a lot of wrecks. A lot of wrecks, especially late in the race. Um, and Ty Majeski wrecks himself with six to go. Uh, hate to see it, man. Ty Majeski, uh, Wisconsin kid. I know you root for him for that reason. So He was looking uh, good, and he just got way too aggressive late in the game there. I want to say mm-hmm. that was a restart with six to go, and he just got sideways, spun himself all the way around, and he's completely out of yep. it at the end there. This one for me, I, I watched most of the race at home, and then at a certain point, it was it was Saturday afternoon, I was getting a little stir-crazy, so I ended up just hitting a local brewery and... You got the phone. You can watch the race on the phone. So I went out, grabbed a couple mm-hmm. beers, and, and saw part of the race at the brewery, got home for the finish of the race. So good to get out a little bit and then see the end uh, wrap up at home. One of the weirdest, yeah. weirdest things about this race was the first lap of the race, immediately a caution comes out, and, and they called out someone lost a battery. I don't even yeah, know how yeah. that happens, but apparently a battery got loose, and or maybe it just got loose. It didn't lose it, and they just didn't have power. Yeah, I think it was... I don't. I don't think it like it didn't fall onto the track. I don't believe. Uh, I think it was that the battery was not like either the battery door wasn't shut because um, it like sits behind or in front. Sorry, of the left rear wheel, um, and it, either the battery door wasn't shut or it shook itself loose, and so like they weren't even able to start the car, uh, or they did, were able to start the car, but then they couldn't keep it going. Um, and so yeah, uh, that happens. <laughs> um, I forget, did they have rain at Gateway? Like, is that why, did they not have practice or something? Like, normally this kind of stuff works itself out during practice. I don't think so. I thought they had the full practice and qualifying. I think the I only rain too. that happened was during the cup race with lightning, not even rain, but we can get into that in a yeah. little bit. True, true. Okay, yeah. Yeah, normally that's, it is generally weird to see, but it not as so weird to see if, like, they don't have a practice and a qualifying to work this kind of stuff out in. Um yeah, I don't know what happened there. Uh, yeah, super weird. Well, anyway, um, I don't really have much to say about truck besides that. That I thought the track really suited the trucks, um, and obviously, long straightaways, good enough, long enough for them to kind of get a bit of a slipstream on each other, and then go down in the corners really, really hard. And, uh, you know, a lot of the cautions were guys just overshooting the corners, which is just something you see with younger younger guys and, and gals just trying to make the most that they can out of uh, out of outbreaking each other, since that's the best way that you can get you get someone's inside and make a pass. So, um, yeah, wreckfest. Have the trucks been coming to Gateway for a little bit here? I know this is only the second oh, year yeah. for Cup, but I'm pretty sure some of the other series have been coming to Gateway for quite some long time. Long time. Yeah, long time. Um I forget if Truck ever didn't come to Gateway, to be honest. I feel like they've been coming here for forever, um, and it was just Xfinity and Cup that finally started coming uh, to, to Gateway, uh, because, I guess because of how racy it had been for Truck. But, yeah, Truck's definitely been coming for a long time. 
Cool. Good stuff. Xfinity out on the West Coast in your neck of the woods. So we've got mm-hmm. uh, Xfinity running at Portland International. Stage one winner, Sheldon Creed. Stage two winner, Cole Custer. And your race winner was Cole Custer. What yeah. did you think of this um, one? I thought it was a fantastic race. All around, yeah. It was a really good race. Each stage and the end of the race, all very, very exciting. Um, basically, every single time it looked like someone would take the lead or, or run away with it. Um they never ran away with it. It was never able to get a whole lot of separation. Uh, it's a pretty racy racetrack in terms of the the straightaways can be kind of long. There's a bunch of S's right as you come out of the first turn. The first turn's super treacherous, especially on restarts. Um, and you would see guys either uh, blow the first turn entry and end up like put, shooting themselves in the foot and taking themselves out. Cole Custer, after winning stage two, literally restarted and went immediately (laughs) off course because he missed the first turn and then ended up working his way back up to that lead um and and had some other guys basically miss turn one on a on a late 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 race restart and that's the reason he got back to the lead but um yeah uh, a lot of uh pushing and shoving out a nema check um i think multiple times did he put someone uh, or, or knock someone basically out of the way to try and get to where he needed to go. There was payback. There were guys, a lot, a lot of guys angry with each other in this one. Um, I know you have a bunch of notes here. Do you want to kind of jump through some of these? Yeah, that's what I like to see from some of these race road courses is let's let's mm-hmm. get a little bit aggressive because if you're just going to be driving around, it's it's not exactly exciting. So I do like to see when they can trade some paint and some guy gives it to you, you give it to him right back on the next lap or the next turn, wherever you, you see that you need that advantage, just, you know, make a little move, make some contact and, and make it happen. So stage two finish was a good one. Austin or Sheldon Creed goes around. Nemechek looks like he's going to just drive that thing to the line with an easy mm-hmm. stage win for stage two, but Custer just outguns him and gets to the line and wins stage two. So the stage two finish was fantastic super good super clean super good racing there and and no other comments in the end of stage two but like you mentioned earlier stage three restart custer just totally misses the chicane he goes super fast and what was interesting this year is they placed those barricades within that section so if you did miss it unlike last year you couldn't just kind of slow down and and shoot right through there you had to do like a little s through some little barricades it's something that you things that you would typically see in like a video game if you're driving through you blow through those plastic or, or foam barriers they had some of those sitting out there in mm-hmm. that so you couldn't just blow through it like you could last year well and i they so they had to do that because it was faster literally to drive really hard into the corner get on the brakes stop by going straight and then hit the gas again than it was to go through the chicane and so they needed something to kind of like direct the cars around I don't think it was a good solution, though, or at least they didn't think it through. I think when Custer missed it, he, like, literally couldn't make the, the, the turn to be able to, like, cut around those the way that you're supposed to. Um, they didn't end up penalizing him. Yeah, they, they basically were just okay. Like, he tried, yeah. Yeah, if you, if you, yeah, exactly. If you tried, if you tried to go through them in some kind of way and, and slowed your momentum enough that it wasn't slower for you than had you went through the normal corner, then it worked. Um, and we ended up seeing that on a, on the late race restart um, that, uh, yeah, the um, it was, what, Allgaier? Who was, who was next to Allgaier? Um, Parker Kligerman's the one that sent them three wide, but I forget. Oh, it was Creed. It was Creed. Yeah, it was All, uh, Allgaier and Creed who were 1-2, and it would have been a really good finish just between them. 
but Kligerman got a really good restart, jumps in three wide, and Kligerman just misses the corner. I mean, he's all the way at the bottom. He has to underbreak or overbreak, I'm sorry, to be able to make that first part of the chicane. Doesn't, ends up shoving the other two off the track. The other two almost like knew it was going to happen and basically turned away from it and went, okay, well, we're going to miss the chicane anyway. Let's let's hightail it through here. And both Allgaier and, and Creed stayed right on his bumper through this. Both cut through that those like little foam barriers like we were talking about. And, man, they might have been slightly slower than they were if they had went through the chicane, but not by much. They came out not too far behind where Custer was on that green-white checker. And uh, Allgaier just annihilated that final lap. He made up half a second to almost get there to do something with uh, with Cole Custer and win that race. But um, really, yeah, really, really great finish just from that, just having a guy that wanted it that bad and came up just shy. So Elgair was so close. I had I don't mm-hmm. think I've seen anybody send it into a corner as hard as, hard as he did on turn 10. He got so mm-hmm. close to getting to that bumper and making a little move and winning that race, but he was like, feet or inches away from getting to the bumper and making that move but it was yeah the other guy started breaking and all guys just he still got that thing cruising along and it's like is he gonna ever slow down and then he finally did and he was right there just couldn't quite get to the bumper yeah the one thing to call out here is that all had just won the week before obviously at charlotte um and so like you know having that win in your pocket one yes you get to go for it a little bit harder because you're just kind of chasing wins in that regard but two, he also didn't make any enemies the whole race. And I'm sure in that final lap was just like, this guy didn't race me badly. He never wrecked me. He never pushed me up the track. I'm not going to wreck him to do this, right? Like, But had he not had that win, maybe, maybe he would have. Maybe he would have pushed it a little bit harder. But Cole Custer, uh, obviously cup guy. Um, had been in cup for three, four years uh, with Stuart Haas and just could never get it done kind of got sent down to the minors, as it were, um, to, to go back down and, and prove himself and win some races. First win of the year. Um, good to good to see that he can get it um, and, and kind of put himself in the playoffs uh, for, for Xfinity. So. Sam Meyer, a young gun from my hometown, ends up in third mm-hmm. place. So shout out Sam. He's he's clicking along a little bit, trying, trying to find his groove here in the truck series. Yeah, he kind of had a weird start to the season, a lot of ups and downs really right off the bat. Um, but he's found he's found a bit of a rhythm here. He's been finishing pretty consistently well in these last bunch of races. So yeah, Sam Sam's climbing himself right back into uh, playoff position and points playoff position as others win around him and put themselves into the playoffs. Uh, Sam's got to win a race. <laughs> that's where he's at right now. Uh, he needs to he just get up there on the wheel and win a race. That's what that's what he needs to do. But um, my big call out was Brad Perez uh, stepping into the 43 without a seat. And, yeah, he almost had a top 15. He was really hard on himself on Twitter afterwards just saying that he made a dumb mistake late in the race and, and, and ended up wrecking the car. And everyone came to his defense and was like, dude, uh, you weren't supposed to drive that car. You were a crew member going into the day. And you stepped into that car and you were running top 15 until something went wrong. Like, we all make mistakes, but you were very heroic in your relief effort here and, and totally agreed on that. He'll be racing this week as well. Um, I don't, I don't know if it is with the forty-three or not, but he's he's got a ride this week, which is cool to see. So, um, yeah. Anything you want to call? Out? Yeah. What about that action after the race? So they got to pit lane and they showed mm. Sheldon Creed talking to. I don't remember who he was talking to. Do you recall? J- John Hunter Nemechek. Was it Nemechek? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. so Creed or yeah Creed and Nemechek they 
looked like they were about to get into it and throw down on pit lane and yeah they kind of just talked it out like men fist bumped and, and moved on so it was one of those things where i really thought they got a real tight shot on them in in pit lane they're like fox is like yes here it comes the juicy moment that we can use mm-hmm. for commercials for the next couple of weeks and then they interviewed Creed and he goes, Look, I'm just out here to race hard and, and learn and get better. And, and that's what we did today. So it was really cool to see that they talked it out like men. He did a nice interview and you move on, you go to the next week. Well, this is what happens when guys get to pay each other back, right? And do it in a way that isn't, isn't detrimental to other people's races and isn't uh, right hooking someone, right? <laughs> um, basically, Sheldon Creed was about to win stage that was stage two, yeah, stage two. And John Hunter Nemechek put the bumper to him pretty hard, uh, like harder than you want to, right? You want to put a bumper to someone and knock him up at the track and be able to get by him. He straight wiped up, wiped out John Hunter. It might have been uh, John Hunter wiped out Sheldon Creed. It might have been a bit of, you know, Sheldon trying to overbreak to get into the corner and really pull the guy behind him uh, and push him back getting into the corner so you can get out of the corner a little bit better. But Sheldon kind of just got wiped out. So Sheldon's like, I'm going to give it back to you. And sure enough, like really early on in the stage three, Sheldon gets to the bumper, sends John Hunter. John Hunter then ends up recovering the car. John Hunter gets into other accidents then. Him and Sammy Smith got into it where Sammy kind of knocked into him. And then after Sammy recovered his car uh, and and John Hunter got back to him, he hit him down the straightaway. They both had to pit for damage. Their teammates. John Hunter had a bad race. Um, All in all, ended up finishing pretty well. Uh, for for such a bad race but like I think John Hunter when he looked at his day he said look I gave it to a couple guys and they gave it right back and vice versa and so therefore I got nothing to say it is what it is and that's what Sheldon said in his post-race interview too was just like I I I you know I got wiped out by this guy I wiped him right back out and we're both okay with that so um helps that Sheldon finished really well too so Last thing, what's up with Fox broadcasting this thing? Where were they broadcasting this from? I didn't catch this, but you put this in the notes. Yeah, just that they, they called the whole race from the East Coast. They weren't even there. Um, and and they also brought, like, a skeleton crew of of, uh, of people to, to actually, like, record the race. So a number of the incidents and things, like, it was one of those, what we've seen with Fox a lot, which is, like, a very zoomed-out camera view happens to catch it, and you're, like, they're, like, squint your eyes and look in the very corner of your 45-inch TV, and you might be able to see this guy gets a little loose. We have no clue if someone hit him or not, but that's what happened. Um, yeah, that's how the whole fucking race was. Um, super annoying. Uh, I'm just, I'm so fed up with Fox. <laughs> um, I think everyone really is at this point. Uh, it's it's barely an investment at this point that they put into the sport and uh they really um they need to consider whether or not they're gonna be part of this tv deal going forward and i hope they're not because i'm just tired of it so agree they got to do better last thoughts for me on xfinity portland when are we getting the cup series here because the racing that we saw with the xfinity guys was super good you put the cup guys out there this is going to be one of the best races of the season in my opinion yeah i i purposefully wanted to call this out here and this is why i didn't put in the storylines but um, apparently some storylines about maybe trying NASCAR trying to get the cup guys back to uh, the race racetrack in Montreal. I did um, see that today, yeah. Yeah, Canadian race. So, like, I had been kind of joking about, you know, Chicago, we might be a one-and-done uh, just with the new mayor and everything, and really we'll have to see how the race goes and everything. But um, I think they're already doing contingency plans on that, 
and seeing where they're going to go next year. Uh, looks like they're talking about going to Montreal. I had already proposed, just go to Portland. Um, it seems to work really well, seems to be really good. The only thing that Portland really doesn't have is, like, really good stands. Like, they don't have a NASCAR level of, of stands um, and, and kind of infrastructure at the racetrack. But it's a it's always a two-way thing here. Sometimes you go to smaller tracks, and then they get the investment. And I feel like that's where Portland is right now. Portland has IndyCar. They get Formula E this year. If they get a cup race, I'm sure they'll start investing in, 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 in you know, rebuilding some of the infrastructure for the track. And, now, again, it's not like it's atrocious. I went to a Notre Dame football game and sat on fucking splinters for, like, uh, three hours when I went to a game there because they, they fucking don't invest in their shit. They're not Notre Dame. They weren't that bad. So Good to hear it, man. Good to hear it. So what do we say? Are we get into Gateway Cup? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so just, I'll just break down the stage winners, and then we'll kind of break down a bit more of the race. Stage one winner, uh, Kyle Busch. Stage two winner, Ryan Blaney. And then your race winner back on top, Kyle Busch, for his third win of the year. Spicy meatball out there at the track, too. 135-degree temperatures uh, on the track asphalt track at level. the start of the race. Mm-hmm. So track level 135 my opinion, the opening ceremony of this one was awesome, and I dare say the opening ceremony was better than the race. So <laughs> it seemed to me like the opening ceremony was we really got to pump this thing up because who knows how the racing is going to be. You end up getting Rusty Wallace was driving the MGD car around, and they yeah, had a real tight shot of him, and they got him on the radio. So that was awesome. Like He's just like, yeah. Hey, I'm gonna get out there and catch these guys from the back, and I'm gonna wipe them out. So I just love. And anytime they get Rusty Wallace on TV, he's got that swagger. It's got a good you can tell he still yeah. loves the sport. Great personality. Yep. So that was awesome to see. Start of the race, you've got Reddick going around on lap two, and something weird happened with Corey with Joy, where he actually hit the kill switch. It sounded like, so he dropped yeah. way to the back on the first lap, and then. Unfortunately, shortly after that, we had some lightning in the area, a two-hour two hour delay, which killed a lot of the energy for me for this one. Oh, yeah, same. Yeah, by the time they ended up going, I was already kind of a little over it. Uh, and I was wondering because all the, you know, the, uh, what do you call it, the broadcast numbers, the viewership came out, and it was down from last year. And I was like, I wonder when they measure that. Because, like, had it been right when the green flag dropped, I bet it had been pretty good following a Charlotte race like that. Um, but after two hours of red flags and like being like oh, okay when is this race actually going to start that that always uh, diminishes a lot of people's uh, take on it for me i got to go watch indycar <laughs> which ended up being pretty good so uh for for a street course anyway being pretty good so we'll get to that in a bit but um yeah two hours of red flags on the lightning sucks and the immediate reaction obviously from the twitter crowd is like well maybe if you started the race earlier um Everyone needs to realize that not everyone lives on the East Coast, and they want to start the race a little bit later so that it's the afternoon for the West Coast, too, and that's the right thing to do. Um, you can't control when lightning's going to start striking nearby. Uh, it just happens. Luckily, it wasn't rain, and they were able to get the race in. So, One of my questions is when they have these long breaks, why don't they just throw out the person who says start your engines and do it again? Like, let's get the crowd fired up. Just start your engines again. Bring somebody else out and have them pump the crowd up. I don't know. Would that do anything for you? Uh, I don't think so. If I'm at the track, I I don't need any pumping up. I'm already there. You know, um, 
I, I don't know. Um, maybe the question's better for someone else. I, I guess I've seen enough of these that I don't need anyone to pump me up about the race. I'd rather we just go racing. Hell, even when I'm there, most of the time and there's like pre-race ceremonies, I'm just like, I could skip all of this and we could just go green flag racing and I'd be happy. So For sure. Um, hit hit yeah. that 308 and let's go green. Fuck let's it. Let's do it. Let's I don't do need it. national yeah, anthem. Yeah. I don't need a prayer. Get yeah. in there and drive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because um, one of the crazy things about this one is we all started texting pretty rapidly. It's like the broadcast went down and we go, oh, my God, is this a Fox thing? And mm-hmm. it ended up not being a Fox thing. So some fiber cables no. were actually out in the area. So the teams didn't even have access to the Internet in their data. But I thought it was funny that immediately any little blip in the broadcast were just like, oh, here we go again with Fox. I thought, yeah, I definitely was willing to blame Fox, and especially after the Saturday race and, and their coverage there uh, for Xfinity. But, um, yeah, uh, putting my tinfoil hat on, I think uh, Chase Elliott happened to be in the area, and nobody knows why. Uh, dude definitely was taking it out on the SMT data, definitely cut a cable. Um, I'm thinking, like, you know, the cover of Cable Guy, but uh, where he's got an axe and he's, like, cutting through the cable. Um, definitely was something that occurred there. That's 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 my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Um, but yeah, the, the weirdest thing about this is like, I get where the SMT data is down and like, you need a lot of that data to be able to tell like how much gas the you know, your guy is saving. And that's why they have the war rooms back in Charlotte that are, that are doing all the calculations. They don't do them at the track with a calculator and a pen and uh, pen and paper anymore, you know? Um, but like the broadcasters were acting like people didn't have a mobile hotspot they could turn on on their phone like they kept saying things like yeah we you know we're back to rudimentary things uh uh you know uh uh, mike joy was saying uh what's his name um larry mcreynolds is texting us the the what's going on and and what you know who should pit and who shouldn't pit. i'm like dude turn on mobile hotspot and use slack use discord and talk to each other like it's not that hard uh, we're we're not in a day and age where this needs to take down everything, but I can see where the SMT data missing is still bad. Um, so I was halfway expecting someone to bust out a BlackBerry and just start firing off some emails. <laughs> there, uh, coming off of watching BlackBerry this evening, that's where I had to oh, drop that nice. one in there. But yeah, for yeah. this race, the brakes were getting tested hard with those long straightaways, and then you've got the mm. two different turns the brake rotors ended up exploding for a couple of different drivers which looked pretty nasty and pretty dangerous so i think this is one of the things that nascar is going to be looking at real hard after this and doing some stress testing on doing some r&d and figuring out what the heck was going on with these brakes because it looked like they were just going so hard on the straightaway and hitting those brakes so hard that a couple of drivers just weren't able to to have theirs i know reddick was one of them bubble was one of them yeah reddick was one of the earliest ones um there were plenty noah gregson was one of the worst ones because when his went, he was already kind of turning down into the corner and didn't know basically that that was going to happen. And so therefore he wasn't able to keep it up at the wall, which a lot of the other drivers were able to. He went in there and basically spun it out. Um, This is a little different uh, than what I want to specify because the broadcast ended up calling out some other brake failures that had happened at other tracks that were very scary. Bubba lost brakes. Jimmy Johnson lost brakes at Pocono, something that happens long straightaways, hard braking, very similar. Um, But, like, when you lose your brakes there and you're turning down into the corner, the guys would basically turn as far down into the grass as they could and spin the car out and then just be along for a 160-mile-per-hour ride as they, like, you know, went up into the wall. That's scary as fuck. Like, so scary. The thing is there, 
you kind of feel it coming. Those are really bad instances, but at Pocono and stuff, you feel it coming with the old brake package. Like, the brakes get softer, you know? It's the same way as, like, we were talking about with our go-karts when we were racing them. Like, certain ones, you could, you'd have to press a lot harder before you'd start hitting the brakes. And same thing happens on your car at home if you've ever went through brake pads before. But you have to just hit the brake harder, and you know that they're getting softer. In this case, that's not what happened. These brakes were acting fine and then exploded off the car. That's insane. And if this is Brian's soapbox for the week, but if you can't fix this, you can't go to Gateway next year. I'm sorry. I'm like, I, I mean, part of it is that I didn't like the racing action there, but I don't think Gateway can be on the schedule next year unless they can guarantee that this won't be a problem. I'm already like worried a little bit about Pocono. Last year, it only happened to Kevin Harvick here. And, and that's all that I remember about this kind of thing happening. But, like, I don't remember this really being a problem anywhere else. I'm really afraid of going to Pocono here in the next couple of weeks. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. And they said, oh, it's a mixture of it being, like, a cooler day um, or, or, like, a, being a, a hotter day, sorry, and the brakes getting so hot and then cooling off so much down the straightaways. And I'm like, well, then you better figure it out because you can't control the weather. So what are you going to do about it? You can't you can't just hope that it's going to be like a an a easier day on the brakes or something. Um, I don't know what you got to do, but you got to do something. So the only driver that said anything about ha- having a little bit of warning was Tyler Reddick. He they did have some yeah. radio where he said, "Hey, I did feel the brakes getting a little soft. I should have came in or I should have said something." But even then, it sounded like it was just one or two times they felt a little soft, and he was just trying to work through it. But some of these other guys in in their interviews and their their post race stuff, it sounded like they just never saw it coming, and the things just exploded. Yeah, exactly. It, I, again, I I think like when you use the term the brakes getting soft, there is a difference between the brakes getting soft because they're overused and the brakes getting soft because they're getting loose or they've expanded to the point that they're no longer really braking your car. And I think that's really what Tyler felt there. They had already basically started failing on him. It wasn't that they had worn through because that wasn't the case in any of these. Like, had the brakes gone bad, you they would have felt it, and they would have started being like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to finish this race. I'm going to have to start letting off the gas earlier so I don't brake as hard. But notice that all the guys that this happened to are all the guys that race really aggressively. Um, actually, now just realizing who the first person it happened to was, was in his Cup Series debut in, in Corey LaJoy's ride, it was Carson Hosevar. And they were talking about how well Hosevar had been doing. Tyler Reddick had spun out on lap to, like lap two or lap one and had made his way back through the field. The reason they were making up positions and the reason the only thing, the only saving grace to the cup race here was that guys could be really aggressive getting off into the corners and under breaking other guys and timing off the corner and then making up positions. Hosevar, Tyler Reddick, probably the best two early on at doing that. Both of them wreck out because the brakes couldn't last. So, I mean, part of it is that they, they hit the brakes a lot harder. You know, guys like like uh, Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch that didn't have this issue, cars probably rolled through the corner a little bit better. They had better corner speed, and so therefore they didn't need to attack the corner quite as much as those other guys, and that's the only reason they lasted longer. Um, but it just can't be this way. You just can't. You have to be able to rely on the brakes lasting the whole race. And, and Carson didn't even get halfway through the race before his brakes failed, so... It's unfortunate. He was having a really good run there, too. So impressive mm-hmm. st- uh, impressive first start for Hosevar. So well done there. What I want to talk about for a second here is the fans just getting all over Corey with Joy for not performing well in the nine car. 
I think it's absolutely ridiculous because you look at Kyle Larson again this week. He started out just terrible. Same thing as Charlotte. His crew, they figured it out. They got him up there to the front of the field. It feels like this week for the nine car and the nine crew, they just treated it like it was a week off because Elliott wasn't behind the wheel. Yeah, um, there was like at one point there was some radio broadcast. I don't know if it was on network TV or if I just saw it on Twitter afterwards. I forget, but um, where basically Corey LaJoy got on the radio and was just like to Alan Gustafson, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I like I don't work with you week to week. If I tell you the car is an eight out of se- eight out of nine loose or eight out of ten loose getting into the corner and then it's you know, seven out of 10 tight in the middle of the corner. Like, you don't know what that means. Like, we don't work together week to week. So you just don't, we don't know how to talk to each other about this. And there was no SMT data. There was no way for the team to actually see with data how he was getting into the corner worse or better than other guys and how, like, that wasn't allowing the car to roll through the corner. There was just no data back and forth to be able to, like, help him out. And so of races to fill in for someone, probably the worst, um, uh, just in, in that regard. But, tinfoil hat here too Hendrick had no real reason to try and help um help Corey LaJoy have a good finish here uh I want to believe that that team wants to compete week in week out but Corey LaJoy was just a a number like 26 points back I think of uh Alex Bowman for that last playoff spot um he's also someone that could compete for that last playoff spot for Chase if Chase ends up having to point his way in um, they had no reason to really help him out here. And tinfoil hat here is that they didn't. Um, that's, uh, that's what I'm going to stick to. I also, I also think Corey's a good driver. Um, and there's like three explanations here and one of them, and, and the only explanation that isn't there is that Corey's a bad driver. Cause that's not true. Um, but like tinfoil hat theory, maybe Alan Gustafson's just not up to snuff and needs to get replaced on the nine. Um, or maybe like that, that team just doesn't have it together all, all in all. Um, and they just happen to not have speed that week. So I don't know some, something's going on, but it's not because Corey's a bad driver. I agree. I agree. I thought it was a little bit unfair that the fans were piling on so early on him on this one. What do we think about Cheddar's with the number eight win? So Kyle Bush is all <laughs> excited. He goes, Hey, we got that number eight combo, the tenders and fries free at Cheddar's tomorrow. So I'm all jacked up. I go follow Cheddar's on Twitter. I got one that's 36 miles from my apartment. I'm ready yeah. to make that drive on Monday to get those get those tendies. And the next day it comes out, oh, by the way, you got to buy an entree to get those tendies. And I'm looking at those tenders. We've been to Cheddar's, and those tenders and fries, that's enough for a full meal. I don't need to pay for an entree and then take my tenders and fries to go. So I don't know what we're doing here. Cheddar's, we got to step up and, and let's buy a drink and let's get those tenders and fries i don't need an entree <laughs> tenders and fries and a drink let's, let's all right tweak, no i'm gonna make you this. you're you're now my whiner of the week because love it cheddar's giving away a whole entree is really big like i used to uh i loved when outback sponsoring kevin harvick made it uh if you get a top 10 you get a free bloom and onion i used to let not live i live one train stop away and actually that was where my movie theater was too that i went to um and there was an outback steakhouse there so it was basically anytime kevin harvick finish the top 10 which was often i would go there and i would go and get my free blooming onion get a small entree or whatever and then go to a movie um it was a great deal but yeah you have to buy something to get it um cheddar's cheddar's already is such a good deal on everything that they have that you can suck it up and you can buy an entree and you can take your tenders to go and reheat them later like 
I'm sorry. That's on you uh, if you find that to be a bad deal. <laughs> it, it was more the 36-mile drive than it was buying the entree. Fair. That's fair. You. That's a little far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that is just on the outside of too far. If it was like 30 minutes of a drive, I'd probably do it. Agree, um, agree. Last right final thoughts edge. for me on Gateway. I mean, this track, it was just impossible to pass from, from what I yeah. saw, which, which didn't make for real exciting racing. So I was fading a little bit in the middle of this race. A little bit of caution action happening because of the brake rotors. And like you said, Gregson's, he spun and hit so hard that there was food on the track. They were replacing the safer barrier. Bubba goes down with five to go. Yeah. So it, it kind of fizzled out and... Good for Kyle Busch, man. He was able to fight off all the all the oncomers at the end on those couple restarts. He held his own, and he was able to run his line and, and get that win. So well done for Kyle Busch. Yeah, I'd say the biggest problem here, besides the brake rotor issue, was that there wasn't enough tire fall off for guys to want to come and for guys to be able to make up time just because they were on better tires. All of those late race restarts and all of those cautions – Normally, you would see top six, top eight probably stay out because, you know, you want to keep that track position. But, like, ninth, tenth, all of those guys should be on fresh tires and be able to pick their way to the front and potentially compete for a win. Like, that's the amount of tire fall-off that you need. And everyone, uh, I forget what the, what they always say. Mike Joy always says something around the lines of, like, if you follow the leader, you follow the leader. Or Larry McReynolds, I think, actually says that. Um, that, like, Kyle Larson had done a two tire change to be able to get himself up there and that team even though they have multiple wins this year was unwilling to come down and get four tires and see if they can make it to the front that's a problem that means the tire compound isn't good enough like you're it's not breaking down well enough for for you to you to feel like you're a top five car and just by getting tires on it you can beat the guy that's got 30 laps older tires that's a problem um so yeah uh this is another racetrack that I would chalk it up to Goodyear bringing a better product next year. Maybe we have a better race. Um, but again, I don't want to come here unless the brakes can last. So, IndyCar, you mentioned earlier that you watched this one. I also watched a lot of the Indy Detroit GP mm-hmm. because of the lightning delay at Gateway. So, love the course. Right through downtown Detroit, awesome, awesome situation. And Flavor Flav, man, he was at this race, and he was having the time of his life. So Yeah, he was. I didn't know that Flavor Flav was a race fan or if he's just doing it because he can get himself on TV and try to make himself relevant. But uh, he was trying to get that grand marshal position next year awfully hard. He was lobbying hard during his interview, which was cool to see. And he goes... Yeah, my boy Will Powers. If he wins this race, you'll see me down there in victory lane. So, <laughs> yeah. Fun, so they fun had start um, to the race. They had basically teeing this up because he was there all weekend, and there was something uh, I guess around qualifying or practice or something. They were they brought up him being the grand marshal for the race before, um, and so like that's where all that came from. I don't think he was like just actively there to try and become the grand marshal for the next season or anything. He must just be a fan. Um, and and maybe he lives in the Detroit area. Honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, a little bit of everything there in terms of a guy that isn't that relevant. But for IndyCar, they don't have celebrities like that for the most part. Um, and so they were like, sure, lean into it. Uh, and and he was definitely part of the entertainment there. But they had plenty of entertainment on the track too. I mean, street courses are are fun 
because of all of the mistakes that can be made more so than it is about like the passing that can happen. Um, and that's basically what we saw. We saw a, normal, a number of guys missing corners. We saw a couple guys. There was a wreck under a caution at one point. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, a guy just like missed the corner and then caught the caught the safer caught the wall caught safer barrier. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what you get at a street course. So like, is street course racing generally the most exciting? I think like St. Petersburg earlier in the year happened to be a mixture of like a really good race and a tight and really technical street course. In this case, we just kind of got the result of a really tight and and and, and tough street course. Um, but it was a good race. Uh, I you know again we've been talking up IndyCar more and more, uh, especially after making uh, myself making a lot of jokes about it early on in the season. Um, pretty good product, really good product actually. So. In my notes, I've got written down, IndyCar has my attention. I mean, yeah. everyone, I was talking to some guys at work today about just, we were just shooting the shit, talking about go-karting. My back was hurting after playing volleyball yesterday, and then today, like, someone was like, oh, yeah, have you seen that Drive to Survive show? I go, no, I haven't, but all I know is the show is probably better than what F1's putting out on the track. And the guy goes, I don't even bother to watch the racing (laughs) because it's so boring. Um, Yeah. But I watched this IndyCar race, and there's action all over the place. I mean, yeah. It was a fantastic I mean, race, in my opinion. This is probably the first one I've watched since maybe a month or so ago from mm-hmm. maybe start to finish, in and out a little bit, but I liked what I was seeing. That's right. You didn't You didn't get to watch the Indy 500, right? We only caught last part of it. We did the uh, distillery oh, okay. tour at the prison instead, but we did, right. see the, uh, we did see the end of the race, not the whole thing, though. Gotcha. Yeah, that was that was a really good race. But, yeah, um, yeah IndyCar, I mean, they, they go through spells where it's not as great, but uh, they definitely seem to have a really good product this year. And I remember most of last year being pretty good as well. So they're just kind of in a nice groove right now. Um, you know, Roger Penske's got to like that. He owns the sport. Um, got to really like that. But Alex Palou is the one that takes home victory at uh, Detroit. Um, I was I was wrong, and I ended up cutting this out of last week's episode. So I'll just I'll, I'll let myself fall on my sword a little bit here, where I I thought this was a double header, and then you know we didn't we didn't research it and to, to correct myself when i said that last week that's why i'm cutting it out of the episode but they used to do a double header here and it used to be always right after the indy 500 um would have been would have been a good week to do a double header the race was interesting enough that they definitely could have had a second one so um yeah we're off for quite a while i think for indycar um at least at least a couple weekends so um we'll we'll, we'll catch back up in a in a week or two first First storyline here, if we're jumping into storylines, what's up with being tired of Fox? I think that you must have put this one in there. Yeah, I I put this in there and we ended up hitting it. I you know, it was mostly about the Xfinity race and just not having good coverage there. Um, you know, there's certain parts about Fox that are endearing. I always like Michael Waltrip. The whole thing with him dropping his phone was like hilarious. Like was was, was more entertaining than the race. <laughs> um and so you know, there's certain parts about Fox's broadcast that I really like. Certain certain people, I really like Mike Joy. I really like Larry McReynolds. I'm excited because this week we get Jamie McMurray back in the booth um, for the race. Jamie's a really good commentator, like like a very underrated commentator. So I'm very excited for for folks to see how well he does. Kevin Harvick going to be in the booth next year doesn't excite me that much. Um, if anything, we talked about maybe it rains in Clint Boyer a little bit, but like. I don't know. I there's nothing about the Fox broadcast that actually like excites me. Um, and I see the NBC folks starting to like, you know, obviously they start they start working. They start working basically a month before they take over. They start they start calling the races themselves, like practice calling. Uh, I don't know if they did that this past week, but they start basically calling it for nobody 
just so that they can start getting into their rhythm and everything. And they're starting to post, you know, hey, we're, you know, three weeks out, two weeks out kind of thing. And they are, I think they are three weeks out right now, maybe um, maybe three more races left. Um, but I'm so excited to have the NBC guys take over. They just do a better job. So Something that was going on this week is Austin, or Cindric and Dylan were both beefing. They're, they're mm-hmm. firing at each other on Twitter. And all I got to say is, what does the SMT data say? That's that's all I'm hearing these days on the broadcast. The guys after the races, Denny Hamlin's tweeting, talking about SMT. I'm like, what the fuck is SMT? So we're going to talk about it. SMT captures a plethora of information, including telemetry data, speed, throttle, brakes, gears, and RPM, positioning data, and camera data. This data is used to create a real-time digital record that is dispersed to various systems that feed on air graphics so there's a lot more to this than that it, it gives you the in-car information time statistics scoring pit positions etc but it seems like really the smt is where the sport is going there's every sport is going to analytics and this is really the key analytic in the sport right now yeah uh, i mean well and it's it's just all of the data and so they always had this for a long period of time, um, like, uh, uh, but uh, basically the SMT data hasn't been as publicly available. And then when they made it available, it was only you could see your team's data for a while. And now you can actually see some parts of everyone else's data as well. And that's how they're kind of like diagnosing why a guy might be running corners better than you are or how they can make up some time. Um, but basically, yeah, the SMT data has always been drastically very, very important. Um the reason you kind of have to let people have some insight into everyone else's data is because, like, they're going to get it anyway. And do you want to have to police it the same way that, um, you know, other sports have to police things like recording sidelines and stuff like that? So this is their way of saying we're all recording the sidelines. Like, let's all just even the playing field here um, and, and have competitive racing because there's there's less left up to the imagination. Um, in terms of the SMT data for, for, like, the Centric and Austin Dillon issue – like when I watched it live, I didn't think I thought there was an instance of Cindric coming down because he's trying to keep Dylan low going into the corner so that he can ride his right rear into uh, into the corner and end up beating the guy off the corner because he can keep him low. And Austin Dylan wanting to arc his corner out and not come down quite as quickly. And so, therefore, kind of like arcing himself up into the to the right a little bit, and they just happen to catch each other, and that's what the SMT data ended up supporting. Cindric didn't turn down dramatically, um, but that all said, guys, knowing that NASCAR is going to use SMT data to potentially penalize you for right hooking someone, if you're going to do it the way Cindric did, it's the way to do it. Just turn down in the corner a little early. Don't turn hard. Turn very light, like you're trying to get into the corner. Just turn down earlier, and you'll be able to right hook a guy. I don't. I honestly do not think that's what Cindric was trying to do. I think he just happened to catch him in the right rear, and that does happen. So, well said. Well said. I, I've got nothing else on that one. I just thought it was interesting that basically every time there's a little little bit of an incident, now the drivers immediately go, "Just look at SMT. It'll tell you the whole story. You can't hide behind anything anymore." Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's an interesting. Uh, an interesting dynamic to the sport now that we never had before, but uh, every every other sport has this in some capacity kind of uh, as well. So um, next storyline, L1 penalty has been given to the 43 car for modifications to the greenhouse. Uh, same as what happened to the 24 and the 48 when they took those cars back. 
uh, and, and broke them down. The greenhouse, again, is the kind of driver cockpit area. So something that, um, for the most part, probably doesn't benefit the the like aerodynamics of the car or, or really the overall performance, but something that was significant enough for them to give an L1 penalty, right? They just don't want you messing with anything. doesn't matter if they think if they, if it's going to give you a significant advantage or not, there's no point in doing it because uh, they ask you to keep the cars stock, right? Um, 60 points uh, deducted five playoff points. Those are owner and driver playoff points. Um, $75,000 crew chief fine and a two race suspension. It's exactly the same as what Hendrick got. Now Hendrick didn't decided not to uh, to uh, what's it called protest or, or, or uh, appeal fight their charges appeal appeal that's right appeal their charges. Um, I think that was mostly because they had just been hit with the really large like the even larger L one penalties and had just appealed them and gotten them and so they were like well let's not try and appeal again in case like they're just trying to make sure they scold us in some kind of way um, and hell they can absorb it. I'd be surprised to see if the 43 doesn't appeal this. Um, it's their first problem of the year. Um, but it's another one of these, just like Chase Briscoe the week before, where it's like some of these teams that are lower down the totem pole are doing whatever they can to try and get some kind of an advantage or trying to bend the rules a little bit. And NASCAR is just like slapping them back down. And it hurts so much more when you're just not a competitive team anyway and they're slapping you back down because um, that's what's happening right now. Eric Jones uh, basically completely out of the playoffs has to now win a race and uh and try and get himself back in um that's uh it's the only way through so one of the things that new guy was super excited about hoping to get him to talk about a little bit here was nascar is actually making a documentary of the garage 56 effort for the 24 hour of oman and they've actually sold the streaming of that to amazon so it's going to be on amazon prime yeah. and everything i'm seeing about garage 56 out on the track the pictures the sound it's let's just break down Lamon right now i am pumped to see how this garage 56 car performs i think it's going to be fast I, I just don't yeah. know if it's going to hold up the entire time that's my biggest uh concern right now yeah i think that's what everyone wants to see right is like now now can it last can you can you can get, come up you can come and show that you've got a lot of speed but can it last now some things let's break down some things about lama and about this garage 56 entry one it's not the first time that they've had this i think this is like the third year consistently in a row that they've had this but what they do is they allow for a new type or prototype of car to come in and race in this race they race by themselves they're not part of any given class of car that they're racing against so therefore they can't finish and beat anyone technically um now the nascar uh that they're bringing for this the nascar cup stock car is closest to a gt class and actually actually fits pretty well in the gt class of cars um in terms of the specifications that they use to make the car um, besides it obviously looking very different than the rest of the gts out there um it's it's it does fit pretty well into that class and if it was competing with them it's beating the shit out of them right now um, about f on average, not over, not like lapped just one lap on average over five seconds faster a lap. Um, part of it is the track, right? The track is, uh, it's, it's kind of like gateway. Um, it's really long straightaways, uh, kind of technical corners and then long straightaway and another technical corner and then long straightaway, another technical corner. I'm, I'm racing it in my head right now, but basically really long straightaways, which are pretty beneficial. I think the thing that's interesting though, is everyone's saying, well, duh, it's faster. It's a NASCAR. It's huge. It's heavy. Um, like it's gonna be faster, but they brought such a big wing to the back of this like the spoiler is so large on it 
that actually they sacrifice so much of their top end speed that the GT cars on average are faster than the NASCAR down the straightaways. The NASCAR is beating them in the corner from the middle out, the acceleration out of the corner and the way that they get through some of the more technical sections is actually better than the GT cars. This is awesome. This is crazy. I mean, I think I've seen nothing but good reactions to it. Obviously, you know, on Twitter and things, you get a bit of a bubble. You see things that, that agree with you. Um, but I have seen, like, you know, Frenchmen on the countryside talking about we used to love having the Corvette GT3 come because it woke us up. It was it was loud. It made noise. Like, we loved seeing that car come by every four minutes. Um, and that's what this car is to them again. It's like the one loud, obnoxious, like, break the mold kind of car that they get for the for first time in a long time. And people love it. Yeah. A lot of people excited about this. And I, th- I think it's going to bring... Hopefully some new eyeballs to NASCAR at the end of it. If this car does hold up and perform perform well, hopefully they make some new fans out of this whole deal. Yeah, I, I think the, the new fans obviously is a big part of it. The other thing is, um, you know, maybe being able to do this competitively as, it, as its own class or fit it more neatly into the GT class and start running it competitively. Like um, NASCAR teams are always looking for other revenue streams or other ways to to engineer, uh, have the opportunity to engineer. You only have so much of an opportunity in NASCAR and within the sport to engineer your car to like look for aerodynamic advantages. This and having these like other opportunities, even if the car is slightly different, you use the learnings from the other thing to help you out here. This is where like Penske and Chip Ganassi for all those years running IndyCar and NASCAR were able to use things that they learned from each other and help both teams be more competitive. That's kind of what Hendrick Motorsports sees this as this year. And I know a lot of other teams are licking their chops if this becomes a thing that they can invest in as well from a NASCAR team perspective. They will. Vice versa, though. This is the most interesting part about this is vice versa is here's a car that maybe from a from an expense standpoint is less expensive than some of the other GT cars out there. Obviously less expensive than all the prototype cars. Um, And how many manufacturers are looking at this and say, well, if that becomes a class or that becomes a car that I can race in GT, maybe I do it. And I also launch a NASCAR team. Maybe we get a new manufacturer out of this as well, which would be massive, just huge. Um, I think for that, that the original point here, I think that documentary just got sold to Amazon because they just posted about it today, about them like going to Prime with it. So I think that just happened. I think they were recording stuff anyway, um, but they just got the you know the green light for Prime. I don't know that that changes anything from what they probably were investing to make the documentary anyway, but it's cool that it's going to go to a mainstream audience now. So Exactly. So last storyline we've got written down here, Kamui Kobayashi, he's going to race the 67 mm-hmm. for 2311 for the Indy Road Course. Yeah, talking about talking about Lamar here, uh, I think he has Lamar fastest lap record. Period. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but yeah, he's he's raced IMSA a lot. He raced F1 at one point, um, and obviously these guys generally can come into road courses in a NASCAR and do pretty well. Now I gotta say, when I saw Indy car or the sorry the Indy Road Course. I was like, ooh, that's going to suck. Because that turn one, (laughs) the way the NASCAR guys have been using it, is a fucking, uh, you know, a bumper car show. Uh, So I hope he's ready to get ran into quite a bit because that's what's going to happen. But, you know, I hope he he has a really good race. And, uh, yeah, I love love that both Trackhouse and 2311 have this, like, intertwined destiny of what the race teams have or are and have been. 
and uh, and like they're both looking at uh, uh, you know trying to expand the sport by getting some of these drivers that are interested in doing it, but just for one-offs. And they're both trying to get drivers into into NASCAR that way. So that's pretty cool. Love to see it. It's exciting, man. Anytime you get some someone like this who's a legend. We had the Iceman last year come mm-hmm. in. People were excited about it. You get Kobayashi this year. It's more eyeballs on the sport. You just last year Raikkonen he was after that race he's like man these guys beat you up in these NASCARs so it's a little bit of a different experience and like you said let's hope he can uh, mm-hmm. hang with the big boys here in NASCAR yeah yeah and we've got um the the other call out here is that we've got uh him coming to the IndyCar road course uh but like not really any Project 91 entries announced beyond uh what we have already had right uh with with Kimmy um so I'm excited to see if they end up announcing some more drivers for this uh Connor Daly just got announced that uh he's not going to be returning to his IndyCar team uh for next season he is one of the podcast hosts for Speed Street over at uh at Dirty Mo Media, and so he's actually talked about how interested he is in running a NASCAR at some point. Wouldn't be surprised to see him get a Project 91 or a, or one of these 231167 rides at some point. Um, and again, road courses being very fitting to these IndyCar and F1 guys as they come in. So good cool. stuff all the way hey. around. So yeah. let's talk some other series. So we got a couple of the big series. We're off for a little bit here. So both Formula mm-hmm. One and IndyCar, they're both not running again until June 18th. So okay. a little bit of a break in their schedule. Formula E is going to be going to Jakarta. And I think the big or one was, that we've already... Was at Jakarta. Was at Jakarta, yep. I didn't catch yep. any of that one. I don't know if you did as well. I did, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, both what races happened? were fine. Street street course at Jakarta. Uh, I, I didn't know anything about Jakarta. We didn't even know where it was when we talked about this last week. I ended up learning, like, it's one of those things, like, you know, once it gets mentioned, you end up noticing it, like, several times in your life. Like, Jakarta has come up in my life, like, five times since realizing where it is and that it's in Indonesia and... And uh, hell, I watched a uh, uh, Parts Unknown Anthony Bourdain series, really good series, um, where he was in Jakarta that I really enjoyed. Um, and it was just on shuffle, it was randomly came up, so that was pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, the the race was just a street street course race and uh, was okay. It was hard to pass. Um, and so uh, most of the action came from, just like you saw at Detroit GP, guys missing corners and, and screwing up their own races that way. So, um, But they had a doubleheader. They had a Saturday and a Sunday race that, that happened last week, so... Makes sense when you're going all the way out there. So only other call we had for other series is I got to get this one in for a new guy. He's been hella excited about Lama. He's been texting us all day. Me and B-Boy are trying to work. He's down <laughs> in the sun having some fun in Florida, and he's, he's watching mm-hmm. some racing midday. And he goes, direct quote, NASCAR GT looks faster than all the GT entries. Pit crew wins the challenge with a manual jack. All around cool fucking shit. So I'll say that's actually my quote. I wrote that. Oh, well, fantastic. You're just yeah, as yeah. excited as new guy, so love it. <laughs> yeah, love yeah. It, love it. <laughs> I wanted to be, yeah, I wanted to make an overall comment and, and I guess sound like new guy a little bit uh, as I started the podcast that way too. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's cool. Uh, the pit crew challenge, I didn't even know that was a thing that they did. Um, but to see them go out there and win it, I saw that in their, like, because they, they go to the the podium thing that they use to celebrate the, the, the winners and everything. They go up there with the pit crew afterwards and they were all up there, and the jack band brought the jack. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's so cool. What a, what a yeah. power move. I we're know, here, right? Baby. Uh, we're here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it reminds me of uh, – you've seen Ford vs. Ferrari? Yes, I have. That? was talking okay. about that with some coworkers today. I, it just reminds me of the moment where the one guy is uh, – uh, he's talking about how like their their team wasn't as fast as the McLaren um, Ford team, and uh, at the pit stall – 
or the pit stop happens and the other pit guy or the other team came in after them but got out before them and he's like why are they so much faster and he's like they have a goddamn nascar crew and sure enough that's how i feel everyone at lamar is feeling right now um nascar crews are in shape and they're doing their thing all year every year um versus um versus indycar versus f1 versus imsa like these crews are not they don't have to do as much uh that's the long and the short of it their 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 pit stops are easier um nascar pit stops are really hard these guys are top of their game really really in shape athletes as we've talked about before so i'm gonna have i'm gonna have to fire up that movie this weekend now i've been talking about it at work we're talking about it i haven't seen it in a number of years and i just remember loving it when i watched it i'm gonna it's one of those uh, crank the soundbar up and just man oh yeah blow my neighbors out of the water Oh, the music in it's so good. Too. It's just a really good documentary. And I, I mean, I knew a lot of that storyline going in and I went and saw it in theaters and was just blown away. It's one of those movies now that I watch basically at least once every six months. It's same with Rush. If you've never seen Rush, a Ron Howard uh, movie about F, uh, an F1 um, driver that I really respect. Um, and then part of his like closest competitor uh, competitiveness against another driver just really good like f1 movie um yeah totally worth watching man you're getting me ideas uh, here for uh we got that nascar off week coming up maybe we get big g on here and we talk some movies talk some movies yeah yeah for sure uh, yeah just watch a bunch of racing movies together um that would be good i actually forgot that we have yeah we have a weekend coming up is it is it father's day weekend that we have it's off after sonoma weekend they get the week off Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. So just, um, next, next week. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk Sonoma then. Um, and, uh, jump into that. Yeah. Sonoma. So Xfinity and cup both heading out to Sonoma this weekend trucks. They got the weekend off. So Xfinity, we got eight o'clock Eastern on Saturday, the DoorDash dash 250, 20 stage one, 25 stage two, 34 for stage three. Then the Big Cup race, Sunday, 3.30 Eastern, your Toyota Safe Mart 350, 25 Stage 1, 30 Stage 2, and 55 for Stage 3. So some of your previous winners, one of my personal favorite winners, 2022, Daniel Suarez, where he smashes the taco pinata. So mm-hmm. I was at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, uh, kind of the day everyone was getting out of town in Charlotte, and they had a really cool display where it was all of the big moments from the 2022 season. So I think we mentioned previously Ryan Blaney's window net from the all-star race was in there. They had the taco pinata, um, some of the track house wins for their first wins and stuff like that. So it was just the Daytona ticket from 2022. We were at that race. So it was Mm. just a really cool display overall, having really invested in the sport personally in 2022 to see some of that stuff and, and seeing the taco pinata in the display was awesome. No, did not have the watermelon. It might have been in there at one point, but looked like it was a <laughs> yeah, alternative bush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some other previous winners, 2021 Kyle Larson, and then 2019 and 2018 both went to Ryan Truex. Mm-hmm. You catch Ryan me on that Truex? one there? Ryan Truex. We're bringing it back yeah, this yeah, week. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, so 2020, they didn't go there. They didn't go to California at all during COVID season. Um, you know, California was basically shut down. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see the normal players. Uh, and this is where I always want to break down and get into the guys that are going to be good this week. And, and I, have to, I want to do it, but then we have smart and hard picks. You got to hold tomorrow. off, yeah. I got to pull it back. I got to pull it back. Um, so I'll hold off. Um, new guy had the opportunity to send in his pick. Did he? Did he? I didn't see anything come nope. through Discord, so I don't think so. Well, you know, you got to pay the penalty. You missed the podcast. You got you to gotta pay the penalty. All right, so let's jump into some smart and hard picks here. 
going through last week's results, uh, looks like I had uh, Tyler Reddick and Corey LaJoy racing the nine car. I have the scored as a seven, but uh, 35th and 21st respectively for an average of a 28th. Very, very bad. My last two weeks have been terrible. Um, new guy had uh, Ryan Blaney and Bubba Wallace. He was running it back. He had a sixth in the 30th place. Sucks, sucks, because Bubba was a top 10 car when he wrecked really, really late in the event. Um, that averaged of an 18. And uh, Baby G, you had a pick of Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Larson with an average of 4.5 out of that, a fourth and fifth place finish, um, or fifth and fourth place finish, respectively, I guess. Uh, so Baby G, really good average for you, brought you down to the point where you are now the leader with an average of 13.47. I'm in second with 13.5. New guy's bringing up the rear with a 16.13. Like we said, new guy would pick first, but he's not here, so therefore he will not, uh, which means I guess the pick falls to me, and I need to refresh the standings. Um, so I'm, Well, actually, I don't really have to refresh the standings so much. I'm going with... Damn, he's just on the top 10. I'm going with Tyler Reddick. I am going to stick to Truex. Give me the 19 again this week. That's going to be three out of four weeks for me on my smart pick with Truex. I'm feeling him right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you didn't pick him when he won, though, right? No, I so don't think I did. That was, Yeah, that was just like five weeks ago or something like that. So, um, Okay, cool. Uh, well, our heart pick has to be someone from outside the top ten. So just taking a scroll through here, I'm going to go with last year's winner in Daniel Suarez and uh, hope for a repeat. Oh, I'm I'm having a mental debate here. I'm I'm struggling with this one, but I'm going to take a swing for the fences. Give me a uh, give me the 16 AJ Allmendinger. He's struggling this season, but he's typically okay on the road courses. So let me try him this week. Well, I'll tell you one thing about those college cars. The Colleg teams are starting to show up pretty well here late in the run, um, and, and the last bunch of weeks have, have really upped their uh, up their game. They're finishing. Granted, they were going from finishing somewhere around like the 22nd position to somewhere around the 14th position, so not necessarily like competing for wins, but it's never a bad time to call an A.J. Allmendinger's number at a road course, so I like that pick. I was going to go Chase Elliott, but I'm like, I <sighs> after that incident at Charlotte, just leaving a bad taste in my mouth. I don't want to go there this week. There just isn't. I feel like from the nine and forty-eight camps of the the Hendrick side, like there just isn't that speed. And so, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that that would be a really good pick either. Uh, just because new guys not going to listen to this. The other ones that I struggled with are uh, Kyle Busch and Christopher Bell. I think the Toyotas, uh, uh, Christopher Bell and, and the Toyota uh, is a pretty good pick here, and that's why the Martin Truex pick is a good one. But Christopher Bell's probably the the been the overall class of the field even if truex has better points christopher bell is generally the guy that's up there competing for wins truex truex has a as a win but uh uh you know um is, is isn't besides that one race hasn't really been like in the mix to win a race besides that uh kyle bush obviously on a hot streak and that eight team won quite a few won two two road courses last year um and has looked sporty at the road course that we've been at so far this year so um, Kyle Busch would have probably been a really good pick as well. Kyle Larson, obviously a previous winner, is a good pick too. So there's a lot of a lot of guys that I'd put some money on um, if I if I was a, if I was a betting man, uh, which I am. Before we wrap up on Sonoma, how much homemade wine have you been making, getting ready for this race weekend? I heard you making some mead. What's up with the wine mm-hmm. situation? No, no wine. I'm not a wine guy. Uh, although I will say, so I make meads and ciders, and they use a lot of the same yeast uh so i could definitely make wine but wine is like uh 
the it's all about the product that you use to make it less so about the process by which to make it if you know what i'm saying um and so therefore is less interesting to me i don't grow grapes and i think like the growth in the farming aspect is what makes winemaking fun not the like the the chemical aspect of it or the recipe aspect of it it's all about the ingredients so I'll leave that one to Richard Childress, um, who has a really nice winery out there, um, which we should probably try and go to if we if we get out that way. So fantastic! I don't know if they do tours, but love it. Should. I'm sure they do, man. You don't. You basically can't go to a winery and not stumble into a tour of these tour these days. Yeah, but you know, some some of these guys that when they own wineries, they're just private. They just wander for themselves. For them. Yeah, agree. Yeah, but yeah, no, I have no clue how big his is or anything. So. Well, I got the prison um, wine going, like man. My, my toilet's locked up right now. I got it going in there, so we're gonna be drinking good this <laughs> get some weekend. Prison wine. We're gonna be drinking good yeah, this nice. weekend. Dig it, dig it. All right, cool. Well, uh, that brings us into what will be a shorter version of rapid fire. <laughs> got a good one for you since uh new guy he wasn't able to make it out with us uh to the nightclubs i want you to give me two nightclub reviews from charlotte let's start with roxbury Mm -hmm. nightclub break it down um i thought roxbury was cool i like the vibe there i think like as far as uh like so as far as a place first off the the bartenders were drunk which I don't generally have an issue with, but the one was like very handsy uh, with me, which I didn't enjoy. Um, so that part I didn't like. I did like the interior. I liked the little arcade area that you went back in. I thought that was really cool. I liked a lot of the stuff on the walls. That's always entertaining to me. I thought it was interesting that they like they both run a place that is kind of eclectic and like is one of those places that you would go to to kind of have like a chill evening with some nerds, you know, but also has VIP areas. I don't think I've seen that as like such a mixture before. Um, kind of makes sense that this place is closing. I don't think it has an identity. And then the downstairs remind me of a lot of places that I enjoyed at Chicago and in Boston where, you know, you have a normal floor where where people can hang out and just hang out at the bar or whatever. And then they have the like DJ and dance floor. And that's what the downstairs was. Did really enjoy the downstairs. Uh, I, I know I was engrossed in a Celtics heat game six in the moment. Uh, and so I probably did not look like I was having a good time. But I enjoyed the DJ uh, a little bit. I don't think it was a great DJ, to be honest. But I enjoyed the music that was being played. And then as soon as the game was over, it got really dancey. So um, that's my review. Right on. How about club number two, Prohibition? Oh, big fan. Huge fan, honestly. That place was dope. Uh, yeah, I we walked. And I was going to go to Rira, which I've been to Rira all over the country. Um, hell, the one in uh, Asheville, the Rira there has was like an old bank and is really cool. I've been to one up in Portsmouth um, and 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 uh, in, in, in the Boston area. I think uh, there was one that I went to Atlanta. I've been to that one 18 million times. And hell, still almost walked in there while I was there uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and we, yeah, we walked over to go to Rira, and I saw that place and was like, oh, we're going up there instead. And it was dope. It was really cool. They had this uh, nice kind of patio. It was kind of a rainy evening. So really nice patio for doing some people watching. And, you know, I always like when there's, you know, there is a dance floor and stuff like that. And then there's kind of a separate bar. So you can walk away from the dancing to go to the bar and it's not super crowded at the bar. And then I like it even more when they have an outdoor area or something to go cool off. And in that day and that with all the rain and everything, it was nice and cool outside um we didn't really go in and do a whole lot of dancing there but it would have been a really good place to do it because the dj was bumping the place was really cool 
the prices were cheap. I still like I went back and had to review how much I paid there because it it was just mind blowing to me that I got like three double buffalo traces on the rocks and then three crown and cokes and paid like 60 bucks total uh that's wild um prohibition uh five stars for sure prohibition that place was legit like you said yep. i absolutely love the bar not crowded the upstairs outside mm-hmm. awesome cool down cute girls awesome dj like dj was one of the best i've heard in quite some time i thought at roxbury mm-hmm. the dj was middling, middling at best it almost just felt like somebody with a laptop but Big shout out to Prohibition, man. The whiskey was good. The cocktails were good. Music was good. Clean bathrooms. Like, it checked a ton of boxes. Yeah. Got in super fast. The line moved. Like, absolutely loved it. So, good find there stumbling into a Prohibition in downtown Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good times. Uh, cool. Um, well, my question's much more NASCAR focused, but um, just want to know your opinion on using SMT data as part of uh, determining penalties. I like it. I think that when you're going on commentary and hearsay on penalties, you're not doing the right thing. I think if you can back up your penalties with facts and data, that's where a place where I'd like the sport to be. I don't want these penalties to be opinion. I don't want them to be this week the people that are determining the penalties because we talked about a number of weeks back that the people reviewing this and, and assigning the penalties, the committee is not the same every week. So I like it that you're just going on data. We're going with the facts. Let's let's make these penalties make sense. Yeah, um, yeah. That's my basically same same sort of thing for me. Is I do like uh, in other sports that we've started to do. You know what I would call like the review phase of refereeing, where you know you can go to the monitors. I think a lot of sports are starting to dial that in. Not have as many of the reviews or as many coaches challenges or whatever. They're starting to dial it in and, and know that they don't want to spend a lot of time in NASCAR. It's not about trying to judge these things in the moment. It's about having to judge them after the fact. And so therefore better do it with all the data to your point, the hearsay of it all or the, the villain thing. If it's Ross, that is the one that like catches uh, Austin Dillon um, this week. Obviously, Austin Dillon went right in and was like, "No, he wrecked me, and like he should be suspended." Um, even if like that had happened to Ross, like uh, everyone in the whole like garage is gonna say, "Yeah, Ross did it on purpose," because it's Ross, right? But you need SMT data to actually tell you the truth, right? And and that's where I I'm totally with you. The hearsay of it all or the storyline of it all can't be the reason why a guy gets punished and another guy doesn't one thing that always upsets me about the nba i know i've made a lot of nba references here on this podcast but like is the the draymond green effect draymond complains about everything he's very animated he uh, yells at referees he sometimes grabs referees things like that but when the referee is judging it in the moment has to determine whether or not he's going to tee the guy up he goes ah it's just draymond this isn't as bad as he's been before that's bullshit. You can't use that as like a reasoning for whether or not to give a guy a technical or not. So um, this is their way of removing that bias. And, and I, I think it's totally in bounds to use. So cool. I think that brings us to the end of rapid fire, which will bring us right into new guy reads the standings. Um, do you want to read the standings this week? I'm going to attempt to fulfill the new guy reads the standing segment. Uh, um, right. um, I, I'm a little upset that he's not going to be able to do this one because you're your number one leader right now in points, Ryan Blaney. 
Blaney I having know, an right? awesome couple of weeks back-to-back here. He jumped right up into the first place. So second place, William Byron. Third place, Kevin Harvick. Fourth place, Martin Truex Jr. Only one point separates Harvin, Harvick and Truex. Fifth, Ross Chastain. Sixth, Christopher Bell. Seventh, last week's winner, Kyle Busch. Eighth, Denny Hamlin. Ninth, Kyle Larson. Tenth, B-Boy's boy, Tyler Reddick. Mm-hmm. Sixth, Brad Keselowski. Twelfth, Joey Logano. And then 13 through 16, Chris Boucher, Ricky Stenhouse, Bubba Wallace, and Daniel Suarez. And just outside of the top 16, Alex Bowman. He's six points back of Suarez in 17th. Yeah, remember I, I said what I said about um, the the Bowman and, and Corey LaJoy tin hat theory. Um, Corey LaJoy ended up finishing higher <laughs> than Bowman did, and so he made up a couple points, but Bowman finished so badly that Suarez is now the, the bubble guy um in the in the playoffs still i you know i think the two things that i'm always watching is like who's who's gonna fall out of the top 16 ricky stenhouse jr had a really good race going up until one of those late 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 race cautions um otherwise he's he's been doing really well notice joey logano 12th in points uh not usual for him generally he's the kind of guy that even if he doesn't have a lot of wins he is the the consistency warrior at the Penske camp. It's Ryan Blaney this year and it, and Blaney has been this guy a number of times with Penske before, but not a surprise to see him leading in points. Um, obviously, like you said, Ross, Ross was leading points. Now he's back to fifth. Um, since basically he had that incident with Kyle Larson. I don't know if it's just that his aggression has toned down or he just hasn't had good cars, but, uh, but he's, he's been just dropping back. Uh, not, not been as competitive recently. Eight points away is what I'm seeing that I was from uh, being able to pick uh, Kyle Busch and Tyler Reddick this week, which which would have been my two picks if I could have made two picks uh, of, of heart picks or sorry smart picks. So, um, but anyway, um, those are my calls. Do you have any anyone to call? Out? Ten winners so far this season. Um, you know, right on track to where we were last year. I don't think like we've talked about we're going to get to that big number as big of a number as we did last year, but still seeing a lot of lot of different winners so far in the first half of the season. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, road course, a lot of road courses coming up. Uh, a couple short tracks right towards the end of the year. We have a Daytona race still coming up before the end of the regular season. A lot of opportunities for some of these teams that are currently outside the top 16 to point their way, or sorry, to win their way in. Um, we talked about Briscoe. Uh, one thing that I think we didn't mention before with all those penalties that Briscoe got hit with is that you can start with negative playoff points, apparently. I didn't know that that was a thing, but you can. And what that means is that, like, because they have such a negative playoff point balance, winning one race might get them into the playoffs, but probably won't get them past the first round because they'll be in such a hole immediately. They'll have to basically win every single round to keep themselves competitive in the, in the, in the, you know, to make it to the next round of each playoff. So there's a couple guys that uh, have to get on top of it or start cheating more <laughs> um, to figure it out their way in. Um, the other, I guess the other person that's worth calling out that we didn't talk about his performance was Michael McDowell. McDowell got into, I forget what happened, he got into an incident with someone early on, but still raced his way back into the top 10, into the top 5 at one point. He had a really good race, really, really good race, uh, 20th in points for him, um, you know, i like to see that. I want to touch on that one a little bit, so in my notes I've got McDowell, quote, gets chastained, according to his spotters, they actually showed this one oh, on the broadcast, right. remember, where 
the spider goes, yep. oh, I believe they call that getting chastained, which which I, I thought was pretty cheeky and funny. Which actually wasn't true. It was it not. Not at all. No. did anything. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, Chastain's got that bad boy role. It doesn't matter if he, he did it on purpose or not. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's his fault, regardless. If he's around it, it's his fault. So. Last call for me on the standings um, on the manufacturer side. So you got six Chevys and then even split between the Fords and the Toyotas at five and five. So pretty even uh, representation from the mm-hmm. three manufacturers here so far this season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Fords showing up pretty late here and a uh, couple couple Fords, the back end of this uh, this points uh, dynamic. But, uh, you know, a couple wins there for, for some of these Fords have, have, have gotten them alive again here late in the season. So late in the regular season, I guess. Cool. Want to take us out? Yeah, I think that's going to do it here for this the Big One podcast. So we're going to be back next week at the regular three-man trio. We're going to bring new guy back in the fold. He's probably going to have some good stories down in the sun, and, and let's hope he's not crossfading as hard as he was down there in Charlotte. So as always, <laughs> we've been uh, the Big One podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Big One. Send any emails to podcastbigone at gmail.com. This has been Baby G. It's been B-Boy. Great talking with y'all. See you later.